Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, and I know you are just as happy as we are that not only Razorback football is back, but also the NBA playoffs, MLB, and NFL. Take advantage of the deals our friends at Bet Online have to offer, including hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. You can also bet virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and get started today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 125 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes and Kevin Bohannon. If you guys like what we've been doing, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. We are there. And while you're there, if you could give us a written review and help us reach more people, that would greatly be appreciated if you would be so kind. And guys, in terms of the overall score, really not a whole lot of surprises from the Razorbacks in Georgia game I know that we're going to break it down here in just a second but I we came pretty close to hitting the nail on the head I think Ty actually did hit the nail directly on the head I was a few points off Porter I know you had the uh, Georgia scoring a couple of more times but for the most part all of us that were predicted from the hog talk uh, were pretty close to hitting it but um, (laughs) definitely kind of exactly what we thought we knew we had some talent at some positions but we've still got a lot of growing up to do but it was very, very nice to see the effort there that we figured would be there with Sam Pittman and this staff. And you could definitely see the change in culture, and you can't get it done, especially with the offseason that we had. But you did see a lot playing faster. I think that was the biggest thing, and they competed harder. There were a couple of guys that we were disappointed in, Trey Knox, Hudson Henry. Uh, Mike Tyson had a quote one time. He said, everybody's got to play until you get hit in the mouth. Well, once Hudson Henry got hit in the mouth, he was done. He kind of disappeared. But I love Jalen Catalan, Miles Slusher, Bumper Pool played great. Grant Morgan played above his rating. But at the end of the day, when you got 67 two stars on your roster versus 20, you're going to see that depth, and it played out in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And, and we can credit, you know, there's so many questions about it. You know, Kirby Smart ended up going with the, the young quarterback, and he just looked lost out there. And then they put Bennett in, and then he just tore us up. So it's like – a combination of the quarterback play the depth and then we can accredit this too I mean what did they do at halftime to adjust I mean it was 7-5 at halftime and the score ended up being 37-10 so I mean there's three big factors that we can all attribute to the final score but you know with Arkansas I mean they were in the game and they should have capitalized a lot more on the score in the first half I mean when you have guys throwing picks and turning the ball over and you know, it should have been – you know, it could have easily been a 14-21-5 game and a half. So, yeah. you know, and then, of course, you know, at the end of the game, you know, 
some of the play calling and the, they were trying to be too gimmicky, I thought, at the beginning of the game. And you've got to establish what you're wanting to do with your game plan before you start getting gimmicky, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, that made no sense. I expressed my displeasure to you guys, and I said something about it on Twitter that I just did not understand. Running a double reverse on your own 14-yard line – Browse, I've said plenty of times, and I don't have to say that to show to show what he's done with since he's been in charge of offenses. But that was just uh, that was terrible. Uh, he is one of the best play callers in the country. He's proven that, and he's shown that with with the ranks that he has finished with, with the offenses that he's been in charge of the last what five six years. But to do that when you have the lead on your own 14-yard line just made absolutely no sense to me. And especially with – I, I like the fact that they were trying to get the ball in T.J. Hammonds' hands early yesterday. That's something that we have asked since 2016, 2017. Why is he not more involved with the game plan? So, uh, I, I know that they're, they're wanting him to contribute in his final year as much as he can. He's a talented kid, but uh, just really, really questionable call right there. There was a few plays that I was uh, really questioning, but – Overall, I want to go back. I know, Cable, you mentioned Grant Morgan. I, I, I've been critical of him uh, on this podcast before, not of his effort. I know that right. he's a great team player. Um, and I know that none of us have questioned how hard he and, and being Drew Morgan's brother seeing, and I'm not trying to compare the two, but knowing all that he put in for the Razorback team all those years and what Grant has done coming in as a, as a walk-on, told he was too small, earned a scholarship – he played a fantastic, especially in the first half. And I don't think that the defense was really – they did play awful in the second half, but I don't think that was because they were giving up like they were the last two years that some of the guys were giving up the last two years. But I really feel that it was just – it was a mixture of fatigue and they didn't have the kind of pass rush that they had in the first half with Dorian Gerald being out. Uh, as we're recording right now, we have nothing confirmed, so I am not trying to put out any news. It looks like he will be okay for next week. Again, I'm not saying that will be the case, but he banged up his ankle and should be a go for next week, but we just don't know as of right now. But very, very satisfied with what we saw from the defense in the first half and a little bit into the third quarter, as you mentioned, Jalen Catalan. Uh, had a great, really a great game overall. Missed some tackles there, went for the ankles, and and they broke out of them. But he uh, he he had, was given some thunderous hits yeah. at that forced fumble that Miles Slusher ended up picking up. But but I am concerned uh, about Trey Knox and Hudson Henry. That's another one that I was going to elaborate on. Some guys that had tons of hype coming out of high school and even coming into this year, but. Hype will only get you so far. They've got to start making plays. I don't know what's going on maybe in their head. I, I, I don't know. But all I know is, is what I can see on the field and, and what we saw from them yesterday or really lack thereof is just not going to cut it. So there's only so much you can evaluate before you step on campus and step into a situation. I, I've coached guys, some of that are at the University of Arkansas right now in the baseball program that were highly regarded. I'm talking top 20, top 50 in the nation. And the thing that usually separates the four and five stars, the ones that make the NFL and the ones that kind of flame out, you can go look back at 24-7's rankings over the history and see who was a bust. But it's usually the competition factor. Can they compete every play, not take a play off? That's the one thing that stands out about Traylon Burks more than anything when he was at Warren and now at Arkansas. The kid competes every down, whether it's blocking, running the ball, catching the ball, hell, even throwing the ball. But – that's what separates him from Trey Knox right now. And I would put him and even Mike Woods. It, it's sad to see that much talent go to waste because 
maybe you're insecure about something. And I don't know what it is. Maybe they're going through stuff right now, but they're not competing. And that, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's just the mentality, you know, you got to have that dog mentality. I mean, it, not just going out and t- taking plays off, but you've got to be in the head. Like I'm trying to get better every play. And, you know, we pointed out, we were talking about before we started recording and one play really stuck out to me is when, Henry got blasted. I mean, he didn't really take a huge shot to his body. It's like the guy just put his shoulder pads right there on his hands and knocked that ball loose. Yeah. <laughs> a good pop. And after that, he was done. Like, it, it, it reminded me of watching, you know, the Clemson LSU National Championship game last year when Justin Ross got popped by that LSU defender over the middle. After that play, he, he checked out. I mean, you could tell big difference in, in his mentality, his route running, and so you you got to be able to take a hit, especially when you're a tight end or you're catching the balls over the middle. You got to know, all right, I'm about to take a shot, shake it off, and go on. And and a lot of this is they're probably not used to, you know, the mentality of okay, I've got to keep my head in the game because last year you can tell they were just all over the place. Yeah, and that's the reason why I kept saying all off season that this is why I just don't see us winning more than. One, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where maybe two, but I just don't see it happening more than one, really, just because, yes, you've got Traylon Burks, a guy that we have raved about time and time again. I think Felipe Franks, uh, I mean, he's obviously a win. His, his record speaks for itself that he's a winner. But is he – he made some questionable decisions yesterday, but was that because, again, that he, he expected his receivers to keep going? I know that that was talked about. Um, the offensive line was really overwhelmed, could not pick up the blitz, really couldn't get anything going in the run game. Rakeem Boyd, our best player, really couldn't get anything going because he didn't have anywhere to go. And so that's the thing is, is this coaching staff going to be able to figure out ways to, to coach to, with what they have to be able to get through a 60-minute game? I said that it was going to be one of the Mississippi schools that we beat. Mississippi State looked really good yesterday. We'll get into that in just a second when we start covering some of the other games. But I just really question how many of these guys on offense – a lot of guys on defense showed that dog mentality yesterday. And at least as long as they could before we got worn down. But we talk about let's, – let's look at – and I'm, I'm in this category as well. I know that we were all extremely excited with that really good ranked – recruiting class in 2019 that Chad Morris and his staff brought in despite having a horrible season as excited as we were to rank in and it depending on where you looked anywhere from the 19th to the 23rd ranked class overall you think about Georgia they're continuously getting top five classes every year Florida Alabama LSU basically almost the top Texas A&M the top half of the SEC typically has anywhere from a top 10 to top 15 class, maybe even better in most years. And then you have the Razorbacks, and then you've got – and Ole Miss has actually recruited pretty well, regardless of how they spent their money. That's debatable uh, <laughs> over, over how long time. I'm kind of joking in a, in a way there. Yeah. <laughs> but, then you, but, then you've got, but then you've got the lower-tier schools like Vanderbilt, Arkansas, uh, Kentucky. They've, they're not usually that great in, in the rankings of recruiting, but they've done pretty well. Mark Stoops and his staff yeah. have done pretty well developing. Exactly. And so – that's where we have to understand where the – and that's the thing. You could sit here and say I'm making excuses, but we have to understand that even when and if Coach Pittman and, and Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom do get these guys back to contending for bowls, I think that they will. It's going to take – and I know that we get tired of, of hearing it's going to take time, but the fact of the matter is, is we're, we're going to need a couple of more of 
solid recruiting classes. Maybe even try to get into – it's going to be really hard for them to finish in the top 25, top 30 this year because of stuff that's out of their control, not being able to visit living rooms and all that. But we just have to understand where we are. And, yeah, I'm never going to be satisfied with the loss. But for the most part, I am one – I feel much better about a 37-10 to 10 loss yesterday than I did about just any loss last year or the year before. Well, and, and with the fans, with the fans side of it, look like looking from the outside in, you see what they did in the first half, and this is where I think the fans get manipulated because we, we we come into the game thinking it was going to be a blowout. A lot of the fans expected it to be a blowout. Well, then they give you that glimmer of hope, like you see when they scored that first touchdown. The fans were jumping up and down. Everybody's hyped up. We were hyped up. You get to halftime and it's seven five. You're like, okay, man, we can do this. And then they start creeping back. So it's almost like. Why can't they do that the whole game from the outside looking in? You know, they don't look at the halftime adjustments and the changes of quarterbacks. So I guess that's where they get frustrated is, yeah, they come into the game expecting a blowout. But when they give you a first half like they did, it's like, man, it just adds to that frustration of here we go again with that second half debacle. But I really yeah, looked at it. I wanted to yeah. – or go ahead, Cabo. I really looked at it like this. It was a sloppy first half. I mean, there were a lot of what ifs. And like you said, Porter could have been 21-5. to five. fumbles, interceptions, mistakes, missed assignments. But, yeah, we still had a lead. That hasn't happened for Arkansas. So, these guys haven't had to play a full game, so why should they be expected to the first time out just because we got a new coaching staff? And that's where it takes building a culture longer than six months. That's exactly right what you said, Kyle. Right, exactly. And it's and that's the thing, too, is I, I think that most people um, – now, you're going to have the naysayers that said we should have gotten Mike Leach, we should have gotten this coach or that coach. But the thing, too, is, Porter, you, you, I like that that you brought up from the outside looking in because I, I still – there's things, even though I think that we see a little bit more clear just because we study it so much. And I'm not saying that your average fan doesn't either. But one thing that really I didn't even think about heavily until about three or four years ago is you see – Players like, for instance, Traylon Burks goes in motion. He, he ends up beating the guy. The guy I can't remember. It was number two from Georgia. He bites on the fake. Traylon gets ahead of him, and he gets the touchdown early in the game yesterday. So you're like, why can't we do that more and more every single play? Well, something especially on the interior lines, and I think I brought this up last week, Georgia has for sure a two deep of any of their players that we would love to have, maybe even into their three deep. When they need someone to sub out, they've got another four-star or five-star right behind the guys that they have on the field right there. The Razorbacks don't have that luxury. And so it's easy to say, why can't we pass rush this well? And like, for instance, Dorian Gerald, perfect example. In the first half, we were getting a really good pass rush because he was causing fits. Jonathan Marshall did a pretty good job. Xavier Kelly. Uh, all these guys that were, that were able to not necessarily just sack the quarterback, but get pressure and confuse Dewan Mathis before Stetson came in. Then – we, we, we aren't able to – we don't have guys like that that can contribute on our two deep that can do that consistently each and every single play. And that's not a knock on any of our guys, um, I, you know, but it's just a fact. It's there are guys that are inexperienced or just not – they just weren't as good as Georgia. And, that, and there's a lot – that can be said about a lot of teams, that they don't have the talent that Georgia's defense does. And so that's something that I would encourage people to watch for is really who is on the field at what moment because you got to think about that, in, especially in the SEC – um, and, and not just the SEC, outside – I mean, the big-time conferences, you've got to have a two-deep that can consistently perform because you got to play a 60-minute game, and that's what a lot of teams do is play. Got, they sub guys in, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
and receiver stuff like that. you know you look at the Mississippi State game and do do sixty passes he threw for six hundred and twenty three yards you know yeah <laughs> so I mean the speed of the game is a lot more now than it used to be so it's more air raid pass and go so yeah you got to be a lot more conditioned nowadays because you're running all over the place so that's where that two deep really comes in and you got to have a guy on your two deep that can come in and and not just be a hole filler he's got to be able to come in and and contribute because especially you got that third down defense you know you need them dogs to come in on third down really turn a third and seven into a punt situation and because those long third downs you start converting those long third downs and let the offense keep those drives going man that just depletes the defense you know quicker than anything and Mateo Sully was out yesterday but I'll give Zach Williams some props I think he did a really good job I looked up 56 was back there a few times and I'll, but I'll, I'll still say this to this day. A four-star from Joe T. Robinson is different from a four-star at Gwinnett, Georgia. It just yeah. is. I mean, it is. The competition that you play with and how these guys are evaluated, they may test well, but these guys are playing at a whole different level. So, yeah, hopefully they, you know, get these guys some reps. You know, you got four or five stars coming in, but we've got guys that have played four or five plays. So, yeah, once they get that experience, it's going to be a lot different out there. And since we play Mississippi State next week, and uh, Porter, you just brought that game up, I've got to eat my crow. Uh, this Mike Leach offense was phenomenal yesterday, a passing, t- a passing yards record. I thought that they did great against the defending national champions. Now, let's, now that I've given them the credit that credit's due, let's break it down a little more. I've gotten quite a few texts and quite a few DMs of people saying, oh, how do you like that? You said all this stuff about Mike Leach. I went and said it. I said it on ESPN, Arkansas. I've said it on the podcast. I've said it on live shows. And you know what? I still feel the exact same because, A, it's one game. Two, or A, B, whatever, one, two. You've got an LSU team that lost, what, 70% of their – or over 75% of their production last year? Yeah, they were a shell of themselves. <laughs> no, they were, that, shell. Was the, that was the LSU JV team. I mean, come on. Well, let, let's just be – Everybody's yeah, jumping in what saying, it is. oh, it's 600 yards. They played the JV squad for real. Well, and, and, I, and one thing I want to clear up, too, is, is a lot of these messages that I've been getting is pretty much saying that I said Mike Leach wasn't going to be successful. I never said he wasn't going to be successful. I said that he was going to be that coach that was going to – especially once he gets his program going, he's going to be that coach that probably gets you six to eight wins per year. And he'll occasionally get that 10-11 win season every 10 years. That's what his resume says. If that's the kind of coach you want to hire, great. We've had that with Houston Nutt. I'm not – again, I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying that's Mike, – Mike Leach is what he is. That's what he's proven for the last 20 years. I think he's a funny guy. I think he's great for content. I think he's a good guy overall. And I think he's a decent football coach. But I don't think that he's the kind of coach that people make – that some make him out to be. The air raid offense does not work for a full season. You have not seen any – I know that you had offenses close to it. Steve Spurrier at Florida. You've had – You've had teams that pass heavy, that pass very heavy, that have won the national championship. But the true air raid is never going to win you a national championship. I will stick to that to the day I die. They might have had 623 yards passing, but you know how many yards they had rushing? 11. And you say, Kyle, well, that well, they still won the game. I understand they still won the game, but how many times in the Pac-12, how many times in the Big 12 did you see him put up all these numbers and then he puts up 17 points against the dominant defense? So let's pump the brakes a little bit. You've still got nine games left. And if 
hey, you know what? If he ends up going 500 and he ends up putting up a bunch of points on LSU, and I don't think they play Georgia this year, but if he puts up, if he continuously does stuff like this, then I, I will eat my crow even more. I just ate it for one game. But I can promise you that in this league especially, and, I, and, and when I say in this league, I'm not trying to pump – pump them or flex the muscles of the SEC. I'm just saying from what I've seen over the last 15 to 20 years that you cannot play in this league week in and week out and just throw the ball around and not run it at all. Kylan Hill, who's arguably the best running back in the SEC, I'd probably put him and Rakeem in there. He had eight receptions for 158 yards. Phenomenal. Good and dandy. But what are you going to do when you have a really aggressive secondary and and you have, you're forced to be two-dimensional? You get shut down in the passing game. I can promise you 11 yards ain't going to cut it on the ground. Yeah, and Kylan Hill was my seven for 20. Yeah, he, Kylan Hill was seven carries for 24 yards, I think. Well, 30, uh, 34, bet, yeah. And, yeah, 34 yeah. and then K.J. Costello had five for negative 38. There you go. Yeah, it, it ain't going to work. I'm sorry. You know, the Hal Mummy era, that's where it came from. Mike Leach was Hal Mummy's OC with Tim Couch was there. And then the tree started falling off. You got it at Texas Tech, different places. The, the concepts are great. It's short routes in the zone. You read it, and you're there. The concepts are there. They don't have a route tree. It, it, it looks like mass chaos, but it is basketball on grass, and, yeah, it, it excites people. But, yeah, it cannot sustain for a full year. That's why you've seen p- people like Gus Malzahn, who started the no, hurry-up, no-huddle craze, took it from – but it was heavy on the run. They had an identity, and the air raid is an identity, but it just hasn't held up over time during a season consistently. Yeah. Yeah, and you look. I mean, how many teams from the Big 12 and the Pac-12 has won a national championship in the last 10 years? You know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. It'll get you like – you. I just think of Oklahoma when I think about this air raid offense, hardly any running in. But you got to play defense too. You know, okay, it's got them there for Oklahoma, but you don't play defense. You're going to get smoked in the college football playoff. You know, you you got to have – both sides of the ball, but you got to have the running game. You have to because that's what establishes. Because if not, you got to look at the defensive coordinators we got in the SEC. This is going to last maybe a year or two, but then they start really scheming and looking and seeing when they got film on what he can do. Because you got to, they're coming in this. LSU has no film on what Mississippi State's trying to do with a new offense. You know, you have nothing to go off of. So let's see how the season goes on. When they really start studying the film and seeing what Mike Leach does through this offense and what they're trying to do with Kalen Hill, let's see the production kind of – it will start slowing down because now they know what he's he's trying to do. But in in the end of it, he's going to have a couple of good years. And then once they start, he faded away in the Big 12. He faded away in the Pac-10, Pac-12, and they'll probably do it in the SEC. Well, the other Mississippi school did pretty well, too. And I go back to what I was just saying, and as I've said plenty of times throughout the offseason, that I think that either one of our wins will be against either Ole Miss or Mississippi State. And Ole Miss, they put up 35 on Florida yesterday. There's some, Florida had an incredible offense, kind of just they, they put up uh, a lot of yards. I think just like uh, K.J. Costello did, I want to say Kyle Trask had around 600 yards passing. So uh, two big day, big days for those quarterbacks. But um, I mean, Lane Kiffin can dial them up with, with the best in the nation. And um, really, it's going to come down to that's, that's kind of why I'm, I'm getting skeptical now of even beating either Ole Miss or Mississippi State at least through one game is because we talked about the pass rush was good yesterday. How healthy is Dorian Gerald going to be to help that pass rush? And what do we really have outside of the – I thought the secondary did a pretty decent job yesterday in the, uh, with, as I mentioned, in the first half, linebackers. But – 
how how long can that first string guys last? And then the second string has to come in when you're playing when you're playing some pass heavy teams. I really question how long that will be. Yeah, especially when what well, we we have we, the nickel. You got nickelback Greg Brooks in there. Your corners. Uh, I never saw Jarquez McClellan yesterday. So, and Monteric Brown, you saw him have a few highlights. You, they're going to get tested. They're young. They're inexperienced, but but they're going to grow over the season. And when you have to run around for sixty minutes, the other night when P, I had the PA Watson Chapel game, I was officiating. I, I didn't realize that PA had seven hundred and ten yards of offense. It's just getting hmm. ridiculous because hmm. they wore Chapel down in the secondary at the end of the yep. game. You can't keep up with Cooper White, Joe Hyman, and those guys. Now take that to the SEC. I don't care if, if you're a great conditioned athlete. It's hard to do for 60 minutes. Yeah. Well, and on top of that is the mentality of, you know, in, in the college game and the NFL game, you got that mentality, man, we stop them on third down. Okay, now they're going to punt. With PA, you can't do that because they're yeah. going to go for it yeah. on fourth down. So, that just wears them down even more. So, you, you just think an average, what, 10, 12 possessions a half each team gets in yeah. high school. So, you're, you know, that's four – 40 extra plays that you're having to cover opposed to a normal what you would do on a gameplay setting. Yeah. I'll tell you one that I was shocked not to see, and maybe I just missed him, but Levi Draper. I, yeah. I, don't really, I saw Andrew Parker out there for a couple of plays at linebacker, but I, I was really – I was thinking that Levi would definitely get some rest. Maybe he's still learning the system. I know, I know he didn't – he was more of a special teams guy at OU, but – being a grad transfer coming in and, and as much help as we need at linebacker, I was really shocked. And, again, maybe he did get some reps. I know he didn't record any statistics, uh, but maybe he got some reps that I just missed. But that's one that I was expecting to step up on the two deep at linebacker. Well, and that, that talent that Georgia has. I mean, they, Zaire White, Pickens, Ooh, yeah. the quarterback. You know, how the Art Razorbacks was able to come in. They, they come in hungry, and they, they played a really good second half or first half, and they got – dwindled down and got wore out. So, I mean, the, the promise is there. And I was really impressed with the defense, really, really impressed with that. For, I mean, holding them to five points in the first half. I mean, that is a talented group. And with other teams with, you know, they were smoking, you know, 20, 30 points in the first half. So, for the defense to hold them to five points in the first half shows the promise and it shows where we're going, you know, forward. I got a question for you guys real quick. What did y'all think of Georgia's transition to their spread offense with Todd Monken? I, th I thought it's not their identity right now, of course, and they may adapt to it, but I, I kind of missed the old Jim Chaney stuff, but glad we saw what we did yesterday. I thought Monken was great. Uh, I praised yeah. him on Friday's show, and you look at what he did 10 years ago with Oklahoma State's offenses. I believe they were number two in 2010 yeah. and number three in 2011 with Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, all those guys. But what's most impressive to me is, and this is kind of a recap of what I had mentioned about him on, on Friday's show, is he takes the head coaching job at Southern Miss, who had just come off an 0-12 season with Ellis Johnson, and then in three years gets them to nine wins and a share of, I believe, their division title. So just to have that kind of turnaround and just sh showing what he can do with an offense and when you have the weapons – that Georgia has George Pickens and and again with us with what Stetson did yesterday um I, I what's his last name against I know his first name is Stetson Bennett. Bennett that's right Stetson I knew Bennett. it I, yeah, Stetson Bennett. Bennett the fourth I'm sure his yep. uh yeah that's a I'm sure that comes from a very very wealthy family just making stereotype <laughs> stereotypical observations with uh that's the that's a name that sounds like somebody would go to to Harvard or somewhere in the Ivy League to me but uh 
but yeah, he I, he came in and he got everything just completely put together for him. Uh, Dewan Mathis just he, he showed his athletic ability, but he as we said, he just looked confused. And uh, I think with Stetson Bennett at the helm, that they're really going to start clicking as they did yesterday. And uh, I think Todd Modkin is just a great offensive mind. And that just shows what Kirby, Kirby Smart is wanting to take this to the next level. They still were, even though their, their statistics show that they were a mediocre offense, especially going down the stretch last season, that just shows that he is going to do everything it takes to get to that next spot to, to, get, to win the national championship. And people forget, I mean, it's, as I told you guys in the group text, Kirby Smart is getting a bad rip. I know he made some really questionable calls a couple of years ago, especially in the SEC championship, and they've had some close losses. But to be where – he's only been a head coach for, what, three or four years? And, this is his and, fifth year. Yep. Yeah, this is his fifth year, and to have the kind of resume that he does. And he was a crazy to-a-throw – and uh, I think it was maybe Ruggs that caught that. I can't remember who it was. That Devontae caught the, Smith caught the Devontae ball. Smith yeah. caught the ball for the, in the national championship on the very last play. He kind of gets – it's very similar to what happened with Dave Van Horn. And, and the. I'm not trying to bring up bad memories, but I'm just making a comparison. To 2018, you're one out away from winning the national championship. Well, Kirby Smart is already right there in football. And so he is doing everything. He's already got his defensive side shored up, got that taken care of trying to take the next step on offense. And I think this Georgia team is – once they really get going this year and they get that put together for a few more games, this is going to be a really scary team. And Florida Georgia is going to be a great – I think that could be a big-time shootout by the time we get to the largest cocktail party. Well, the biggest, the biggest concept – you're talking, mentioning that national championship game. Look at the play before he threw that long pass. If, if Tua would have held <laughs> on to that ball and they wouldn't have sacked him, they would have given a second longer – Two would have fumbled that ball. He was yeah. about to try to throw the ball, and he ended up getting sacked. But if, if Georgia would have held on just a second longer, that would have been a fumble. Georgia would have recovered, and they would have won the national championship. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a game of inches. We talked about that so many times, and it's just – I, I saw it with – and I, I've talked about it with so many in the past week about – um, not not trying to completely switch over to the NFL, but with the Cowboys game last week, you know, with down twenty, and what would have happened had uh, had Julio Jones caught that incredible pass from uh, right there on that wide receiver throwback, and so um, every it just one little play can make a huge difference, and and that's that's what happened with Kirby a couple years ago in the national championship, and I think that he's got Georgia. I mean, I, I'm jealous of at the position that he has him right now, but. But with all that being said, uh, I know that we, you know, we expressed our, some concerns that we may have, and, and there's definitely a lot of work left to do. But that's what we expected. That's what we said all offseason. Yeah. I think that Coach Pittman and this staff is, is, are the guys for the job. Um, hopefully he can keep Barry Oda, assuming that there's some success there. Hopefully he can keep this co- um, as much of this coaching staff intact because on paper – they are the ones to really give us that next boost of getting we I think we showed that we can compete again I don't think that giving up 22 points in the third quarter is a was a lack of effort I'll say that again I think it was really just a lack of depth and fatigue and and we had a lot of fatigued players and that's going to happen too because it's the first game you've got to get in game shape but I think that we're going to, this is going to be a team that we are extremely proud of. Um, you know, I'm proud of the way that they came out yesterday from, you know, you heard a lot of people talking about even from pregame, even into the actual contest itself. And so a big opportunity going into Starkville next week. And, um, you know, it's not going to get any easier, really. Everybody that you play is going to be good. Um, you don't have any quote unquote gimmies, but as we saw the last two years, I don't really think that there is such thing as a gimme anymore. And that's no, what not Sam, necessary. Yeah, 
that's what Sam Pittman said he wanted. He wanted at the end of the game for the fans, Razorback Nation, the whole state to say these guys played hard and we're proud of them. That's what he wanted. It's building those small little baby steps and those foundational blocks to where he can get this thing going again. Yeah, they they just got to keep, you know, showing us the progress. And that's that was the biggest thing with the Chad Morris era. We didn't see any progress. And you come out against Georgia, yeah, you played a really good first half. You you got wore out, and they come and beat you in the second half. Now, okay, let's keep on, like you said, baby steps. But I, but still making that progress. I mean, you even if it's a little step, you got to be making steps forward instead of taking a step back. You know, like if it's a game where they, you know, they play the way they do against Georgia – and then say Ole Miss comes up, a, a lower team. You've got to play better. You can't play down. You know, you've got to keep moving up and then eventually get that win. One thing I wanted to think about as we start to close out here, we'll switch gears over to, uh, to another team. So I want to talk about UTSA Roadrunners. Our two of our former coaches, uh, Jeff Trailer, former running back coach, the head coach, Barry Lunny Jr., former tight ends coach, is now their OC. They're averaging they're 3-0 and right now, and they're averaging 37 points per game. Now, I don't want to go to the past, but I, I was just thinking about that after I saw the score of the game with them in Middle Tennessee State the other night. What if, instead of Joe Craddock, one of those two guys, possibly Barry – I think Barry Lunny Jr. definitely made a good case. I know he didn't have the experience, but just the way he's done with recruiting and his and how successful his tight end groups have been throughout – since he's been overseeing them, I guess, from what, 2013 to 2019. I wonder what if things – and I'm thankful in a way that things happened the way that they did because I don't think – I think Chad would still be on staff and it would just put us back even further – but what if one of them would have been calling the plays or have had been overseeing our entire offense? And I, I mentioned that to somebody. It's like, well, they haven't beat anybody. But then again, I'm thinking, well, we were getting Either blown way. out by people that shouldn't have been anybody. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I don't know. What, what, I want to get you guys a supporter. I'll start with you. Do you, do you think that do – you, do you think maybe one of those two guys uh, maybe could have and, – and again, this is just strictly hypothetical stuff that I thought was a little fun. What, what, what do you think of one of them being – had, had they had been in the offensive coordinator position? I, I don't think it would have been any different. I, yeah. I think it – because it all falls on the head coach. You know, yeah. but he – it don't matter. I mean, we talked. You know, you could have Nick Saban as your OC or whatever. If you ain't got the talent and you ain't got the head coach that knows what he's doing as a head coach, I mean, it's just it, – you show. There was no – you've got to build that foundation. Like I said, when we first had heard about this – Staffy hired. You got to build your foundation. Then you got to get your kids to buy in. You still got to get those kids to go out there and play. And they completely gave up last year. So whether if it was, you know, Browse or or Lunny, I mean, when Chad Morris was your head coach, nobody was buying into what he wanted to do. It's like he didn't care about his players, so they're not going to play for him. So I think it'd have been the same deal. I will agree with Porter on the fact that it probably wouldn't have been a different result because Chad Morris made the practice plan. And if they're out there just running plays, that's what they're going to do. I will say that they would have played for Lunny and Trailer better, and they would have respected him more because they didn't respect Joe Craddock. They thought Joe Craddock was way over his head. Multiple players said that. And you can see, I mean, it was obvious. So, I think – and having talked to Barry Lunny Jr., you know, on the recruiting trail when I was a coach, he, he gets it. He's Arkansas through and through. And Coach Trailer, with his experience, that they would have played played for them more and respected them more. So you probably got a little bit more effort. But in the grand scheme of things, you're right. It does go back to the head coach. 
Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you guys. I thought that was just something interesting, you know, thinking about because it's, it's easy to ponder stuff like that. But then I was kind of like, well, you know, even though they haven't played anybody, again, again, as I said a second ago, we're getting blown out. I, I, and the score wasn't necessarily a blowout with San Jose State, but they definitely outplayed us. Uh, but oh, yeah. you, think about, you think about Western Kentucky and North Texas and then Colorado State coming back the way they did. Yeah, man. Oh. Well, well, I'll add to this. is like, you know, it's, it leads into that why not here thing. Look, look at people who's left Arkansas, and they're like, man, they didn't do nothing here. Look, when Chad Morris come into Arkansas, well, look what he did at Clemson. He can do it at Arkansas. Now Barry Lunny and Trailer go to UTSA and they're having success. Well, look what they're doing at, at UTSA. Why not here? So we're going to always, and when it's not happening at Arkansas and then they go to another school and have success, they're like, why, can't, why couldn't they have done it here? Yeah, and I think that that's just – and we're here down, down the road, kind of back to what we were talking about later on or earlier on, is I think that as they get more of their play – and, and I, I know that's another thing that we got just totally fatigued on is hearing their players. And I'm not necessarily meaning their style of play. I mean inputting their culture into basically every single day. You want to be out there. You want to be fighting for your brothers. You want to be fighting for your coaches. I think that they've already got that mindset. It's just some of it is just with – and I mean, I hate to say it because I'm not insulting anybody, but – a lot of those players that have that mindset just aren't they, – they can't compete, as we said. Not, and not necessarily all of them because of a lack of talent. There's just a lot of inexperience, too. And I'm really careful how I say because I don't want it to be taken out of context. I love this team. I support this team no matter what. Obviously, clearly, I do. My whole entire time of me doing content creation, this team has just been not successful at all. So I think I've hopefully proven uh, that I am a Razorback through and through. I know that, that that's how we all feel here. And we'll never bash a player, but we will we'll, we'll, we'll constructive criticize when, when it's needed. And I think that um, despite the good things that we saw yesterday, there is a couple of players that really need to step up. Um, again, Hudson Henry. Trey Knox, we really need more production out of those guys. And we'll see what happens. But uh, overall, I think that there is plenty to be excited about. And, and I, I think that this will be a lot like – and I always go back to 2013 because they didn't win but three games. But there was really – I don't think that I can think of a single game that season where I'm like, you know what, they gave everything that they had. And we saw it especially in the last game going down to LSU – playing a team with Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill, Zach Mettenberger, Odell Beckham Jr., and they dang near came close to beat him. I think that I think that, that right there, that the the effort that they showed yesterday, if they can make it through a 60-minute game, that they can possibly squeeze out and steal a win that they weren't supposed to be. But but overall, um, I, I was very, very pleased. And, uh, again, never satisfied with a loss, but we shall see what happens moving forward. So, but I think that will do it uh, for another episode number 125 of the Hog Talk Podcast. We'll be back on Friday with coverage of the Mississippi State game. With Kevin Bohannon, Porter Hayes, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.